At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with Emily Bailey. Emily Bailey is a Toronto-based digital marketing strategist and instructor with a passion for leveraging tech and AI trends. Emily's business, Compass Content Marketing, provides content marketing strategy, advisory services, and leads custom-tailored social media and communications workshops and training for organizations. She also develops and teaches cutting-edge courses in content marketing. With over 15 years of marketing communications experience, Emily has worked with organizations such as GlaxoSmithKline, the Canadian Marketing Association, Huron County Economic Development, the Adoption Council of Ontario, and Northern Ontario Travel. Emily approaches consulting and training through collaboration and strives to be inclusive and practical. She specializes in breaking down complex topics into accessible, easy-to-understand language, and we're glad to hear that. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here today. We're delighted to have you here. Our first question, as usual, is to get right to the heart of it and ask you, what's the top piece of advice that you hope our very, very busy entrepreneurial listeners will take away from today's show? Staying on top of digital marketing trends and the developments that are happening in artificial intelligence is a big job. And these things are constantly changing. When folks are busy running a business, their time and their energy is very precious. Um, if folks have a passion for digital marketing and AI and they love to explore that, I encourage them to, to feed that curiosity and explore the tools. But if that's not your passion and you have a ton of other work to get done, don't feel like you need to go it alone. There are plenty of experts like myself out there who stay on top of the trends and the tech innovations, and you can lean on them for advice and planning. 
a good digital marketing strategist should be immersed in all the industry news. They should be experimenting with new trends, analyzing your brand's performance in your marketing campaigns, and should be able to supply that information to you so you can focus on all the other parts of running your business. Wow. Let's say that you just sold some of our listeners on the idea of hiring a digital marketing specialist. How do you go about finding someone who knows what they're doing? That's a great question, Rick. And a lot of folks have come to me through LinkedIn. Um, They've come to me through referrals. Um, And anyone here is welcome to to connect with me that way. Um, But in terms of finding people in your own community, in your own sort of sector, it can be tough. There's a lot of marketing folks out there who call themselves experts. And, you know, most of them are fantastic, but some of them are, you know, more knowledgeable on certain things uh, rather than, than other things. So I would definitely say do your research, ask around in your own network. And oftentimes people find people through other folks that they already know. Um, You know, it's sort of like that personal connection, I think, can go a long way. And that element of having vetted the person, if if your colleague or your uh, business community has already worked with them, that can be a huge asset. Something that occurs to me just based on what you were saying there is that if some of our listeners are business owners and they have a good digital marketing specialist that, 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 that they use, that, that's, you know, a, a freelancer or outside person who's looking for work, a great way to build business relationships might be to recommend that person to people you know, because everyone's looking for the right kind of marketing help. And if you've found someone who really works, then, then why not share that with other people? And uh, they'll appreciate it and they'll remember it when it's time to give you a hand. Absolutely. I do believe in the power of referrals and it can go a long way. A peer-to-peer referral is is always uh, much appreciated, I think, in my industry in particular, because like I said, there's so many people out there calling themselves a, a digital marketing expert and, and those folks are at different levels of experience. Um, if you're looking for someone to manage your social media, for example, then a more junior marketer might be the perfect fit. Someone who's you know, in college or university or just has one or two years of experience, they could do a fantastic job at social media management. If you're looking for someone to advise your startup or your business on a digital marketing uh, strategy, then most likely you want someone with a lot more experience and exposure to different industries, including your own. So it's all about finding the right fit, Rick. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, giving referrals can be a super effective way to help people out. Yeah, thank you. Um, before we get into your story, I wonder if you can just help us with a, a big concept here. What exactly is content marketing and what makes it different? Great question. So content marketing is using tools like social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, threads, which I'm happy to talk more about, uh, YouTube videos, blogs, things like that 
to communicate the value of the brand or the value of the organization. Um, content marketing is a little bit different than other types of digital marketing. For example, Google ads. I get asked a lot, Emily, do you do Google ads? Can you run a Google campaign? And I say, you know what? That's not my sort of area of expertise. I'm a content marketing person, which means I focus on the uh, social media and the digital marketing strategy space. So your content is the stuff that you see when you log onto your Instagram account. It's the stuff that you see if you subscribe to a brand's uh, e-newsletter. It's most often found on, on digital platforms, of course. Um, and, and content really is that sort of digital storytelling element that's brought to life. Right. I was just thinking that I guess content marketing is really storytelling harnessed for a purpose. I just made that up. Does that sound good? That sounds great. I love it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what it is. It's, it's all about digital storytelling and, and getting your brand message across in a way that's not pushy. Like it's not like bye, bye, bye. It's about um, attracting folks to your brand, having them sort of follow along on your journey, um, showcasing your values as an organization. Are you into sustainability? Are you into diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, are you into um, fashion? You know, what are the sort of values that your brand is is uh, sort of stands for? That's where content marketing can really help to illuminate your business and allow people to feel that more, uh, more of a connection to your brand. It's not just about the product or the service. It's about the, uh, the overall story behind your business. Right. And, and all of this makes sense because people are always looking for their tribe. They're looking for organizations that share their values, that understand what they're going through, that, that, that are helpful, that, 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 that can tell stories, that can tell positive stories. But what, what can one expect if one engages in content marketing? I mean, I know companies that have been blogging for years and, and don't know why they do it. Um, it. It's not the sort of thing that makes cash registers ring like saying, hey, 50% off Labor Day sale. So, so, so what can you expect if you engage in content marketing? Is it a, a long slog or are there some quick wins? It definitely takes time. And I'll tell you why. A lot of online consumers, such as myself, and probably you as well, Rick, and our audience here, are becoming a little bit more, how should I say, skeptical of what we see in the online space. So as a consumer, we see a lot of content, we see a lot of brands, the online space is, is quite a crowded one. And, you know, everybody's trying to showcase their product or service. So it takes time and consistency to build up uh, an audience that's going to convert. And this is something that I'll tell potential clients up front if they're not sure exactly how content marketing works. It's not ads that are designed for people to buy something right away. It's designed to uh, have a longer term sort of following, uh, to build relationships, to build trust. And those people eventually will hopefully become customers. So it's not a flash in the pan approach to marketing by any means. It takes probably, you know, six months to a year, I would say, for a brand's content marketing campaign typically 
to start seeing some real traction and some real conversion. Um, and that's across the board. That's not just my clients. That's, uh, you know, sort of an industry, a rough sort of ballpark estimate of how long it takes. Um, but the advantage, I think, of doing content marketing is such that, you know, just doing ads, for example, like that's not going to land with people now. Um, just saying, buy, buy, buy my product. My product is the best. This type of messaging can very easily get tuned out by today's consumers who, like I said, can be a little skeptical and um, they want more. They want more from their brands, particularly millennials. Um, they want to shop and support brands that, that share their particular values. So this is where content marketing can really shine. Fabulous. Thank you. Let, let, let's go back and talk about you a little bit. Um, can you share with us your journey? How did you get into marketing? And then how did you come to specialize in content marketing? Well, in high school, I had an interest in media studies. I pursued my university degree in communication studies. I always felt like this storytelling aspect was very interesting to me, very appealing to me. And I really followed my interests to pursue a career in communications and marketing. Um, so initially in my career, I worked for a number of different organizations to sort of learn the ropes, so to speak. And I, uh, I did that for quite a while before going out on my own and starting my own business. Um, almost 10 years ago now, uh, I was working as a communications advisor for a government agency. Um, I had stability. I had a good paycheck. Um, I loved the work, but I felt a little bit frustrated sometimes by that lack of flexibility and um, of being in a nine to five. And that was what sort of led me to, to sort of um, consider going out on my own and, and building a business. So that was the sort of initial stages. Um, and I can tell you more about, you know, how that process sort of unfolded. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that the, the, the nine to five wasn't for you. I, I, <laughs> I wish I had a buck for every time I heard an entrepreneur say that. I know, I know. It's almost like a cliche to say that at this point, but it's it's the honest truth. Like I was sitting in these offices in downtown Toronto. I, I was I didn't like the commute on the subway. Um, I'm kind of going, why do I need to be sat here from X hour to X hour? Um, you know, I could be doing this from anywhere. And this, keep in mind, was before COVID and before working from home was as common as it is now. Um, but even when I had my nine to five uh, career, I was using my evenings and weekends to freelance. I was creating marketing content for other brands. Um, I really enjoyed that variety and creativity. And looking back, that was me, I think, trying to test the waters for entrepreneurship. I'm not a big risk taker. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, and I was sort of seeing if this is for me, is, is freelancing, is, is working for myself something that really works for me. Um, it was sort of a little bit of an experiment to see if I could build up more clients while still having the security of my nine to five job. And um, that I think was laying the groundwork for me to, to initially uh, sort of take that leap and feel comfortable with taking that leap to become a, a business owner. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> sounds very familiar. And I, I like the fact that 
people who didn't like the nine to five, they probably now work a lot more than eight hours a day. But when you do it for yourself, it's not the same. It doesn't take as long. That's right. You're more motivated. That's for sure. You have a lot more at stake. Um, you know, you, you feel like you need to make it work. And these are things I know all entrepreneurs have, have sort of felt uh, along their journey. Um, but my sort of peers and my family were not super supportive or excited about me starting a business. My dad was an entrepreneur for many years, still is. And um, he raised four kids on one income. Money was tight sometimes growing up. And I remember my mom saying, you know, being a business owner or an entrepreneur, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. That's what she said to me. And I think that was her way of sort of saying like, I'm not sure if this is for you. I'm not sure if this is going to work. And she was saying things that I was feeling already on the inside, right? Like I said, not a big risk taker. Um, and I, of course, I'm paying my own bills and, and that sort of thing. Um, so what I did, a sort of mental trick that I employed to get through that phase was I told myself, I'm going to try this for a year. And if it doesn't work, I'll go and I'll find myself another nine to five job and then I'll know, okay, that was not for me. So initially, um, I think that helped me through that early phase when you're still kind of figuring out your, your offering, you're still kind of refining um, your systems, you're still trying to attract more clients and, and grow. Um, and then of course that year passed and I kind of thought, okay, this is something that I'm going to keep going with. I'll give it another year and another year. Um, nine years later, I'm happy to say that I know I'm on the right path. And I'm glad that I was able to sort of take that risk and, and make it work. It's very cool. I think it's funny that your entrepreneur parents <laughs> were, were, were leery about this, but uh, hopefully they're more supportive now. They are. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, Tell us about uh, your clients. We mentioned some big names uh, earlier on. Do you also work with uh, small business owners as well? I do. I do. I work with businesses of all sizes, and I really like being available to serve different folks at different stages of their journey. So some folks are just starting their business or they've been in business, let's say for just a year or so. And they're kind of going, okay, Emily, I've tried a number of things. I have my email marketing. I have my social media in place, but how do I take it to the next level? How do I start attracting more folks online? How do I start, you know, investing more in my marketing? How would you recommend I proceed uh, to, to get more engagement? So those folks are great to work with because you can see the results immediately. You know, you're speaking directly to the entrepreneur who's receptive, you know, they're invested. And, um, and I'm a big supporter of small businesses in Canada. They're a huge part of our economy. Uh, they give jobs to people. They reinvest in their own communities most often. And I have a lot of time and respect for folks who decide to, you know, hang up their shingle and, and give it a try. So that forms some of my client base. And of course, those larger organizations with larger marketing budgets are great to work with as well. Um, I've worked with GlaxoSmithKline, which of course is a big pharmaceutical company, um, probably one of the biggest. And um, I did some marketing training for them a, a number of years ago 
for all of their marketing staff. So those organizations have different needs. They have different goals. They have different audiences, of course. And all of my advice and my strategy that I can impart in my training is tailored to the type of organization um, that I'm working with. There is no one size fits all when it comes to content marketing or any type of marketing for that matter. It's all tailored to the needs of the organization, their particular goals, and really what they're trying to achieve. So it's been really fun to, to see folks at different stages of entrepreneurship or folks that are, are in a marketing role at a big organization um, and to give them that up to the minute sort of insight into what's happening in the digital marketing world in terms of content, in terms of trends, um, in terms of strategy, in terms of artificial intelligence developments, it changes from, from week to week. So my role is to give them sort of that oversight, but also that strategy um, that they can start to implement right away. Emily, wondering if you can just tell us about some stories that you've helped uh, your clients share that have actually been, you know, effective at uh, at building an audience or even making the cash register ring. Are there a couple stories you can you can recall for us? Sure. Well, in addition to working with businesses, I also work with government organizations and nonprofit organizations as well. And one of the more fun sort of brands I've been able to work with over the years has been Northern Ontario Travel. So they have uh, obviously a lot of wilderness and uh, canoeing and uh, sort of exploration to offer folks who want to visit that part of Ontario. And as someone who is an outdoor enthusiast myself, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to work with them and to create some content that really showcases what folks like myself, who you know, we're living downtown Toronto, um, the quite the opposite to to Northern Ontario can do on a weekend or uh, or longer. So I was able to write uh, some some exciting content. I found it exciting uh, for their website that talked about. Um, what to expect when one goes up there as a young female traveler. Um, it was sort of a different angle, I think, than, you know, some of the more uh, grizzled northern, you know, travelers. And, um, and I really enjoyed that because it was something that I'm passionate about. And the, the content that I wrote and the images that I created for the brand, I think, just helped to tell a story about my particular adventures um, up in Killarney and up in Manitoulin Island and some really fantastic places that some folks may not have had the chance to explore before. So Northern Ontario travel, that was a, a really fun one. I've also worked more recently with the Adoption Council of Ontario. So as folks may know, there are a lot of children out there needing homes and uh, needing caring parents. This was a, a good one for me. I have two small children of my own who are biological children. They're not adopted. However, um, I really think that folks who adopt children are, are really sort of sometimes the heroes of their own story and uh, or the story of their children. 
children, their adoptive children. And so um, I provided some marketing counsel strategy um, and some a guidance around storytelling for that particular brand to help them elevate the impact that adoption can have on families in Ontario um, and and children who who need a good home. It makes a huge difference um, to those people in those particular communities. So that was a fun one as well. Do you ever get to find out? What impact your stories have had? I mean, have have either of those, either the the adventures in Northern Ontario or the work for the Adoption Council, ha, have they moved the needle significantly for the client? I think they have helped them. Yeah, I mean, I always try to get as much information about the performance of any marketing campaign. That's a hugely important part of of any brand's marketing efforts. Getting feedback on the performance of any marketing piece is an important part of any brand's marketing strategy. And of course, I've kept in touch with folks who have been previous clients, and sometimes I'll work with them again. Uh, they'll come back you know, for more marketing services, and we can discuss the performance. So those uh, pieces, the Northern Ontario travel pieces performed well in terms of the number of, of clicks and impressions and so on. And the uh, Adoption Council of Ontario projects, uh, the client was very happy with, and it allowed them to think more about elevating their brand going forward. Very cool. Very cool. I like to see results. Um, let's talk about technology. Um, social media marketing is a, is, is a whole new world. And of course, it's changing. We've got AI, we've got the chat GPT and, and other platforms. Um, how do you see these things changing the landscape when it comes to entrepreneurship and marketing? I think the biggest thing right now is that these tools have the power to provide a time-saving sort of efficiency role in some organizations. So tools like ChatGPT, which is right now probably the most commonly used um, AI tool as of now. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a number of other tools in the marketplace these tools can help to save time and entrepreneurs, I think, are, um, you know, very mindful of their time and their energy and their, their focus. So where I think it, it really makes an impact is automating some tasks and taking some of the workload off a busy person's plate. Um, I'm not saying that AI tools are going to do all the work for you, but a lot of the tools that we're seeing right now, like Jasper.ai, um, like Midjourney, uh, ChatGPT, uh, Google's Bard is is, uh, it's developed. It just hasn't yet, you know, hit the Canadian marketplace. Um, a lot of these tools are are advantageous at this stage. Now, there are pros and cons to any uh, technology, particularly artificial intelligence tools. And I'm not here today to say artificial intelligence is the best thing ever, and you need to adopt every tool under the sun. That is not my approach. Um, I will say that I've been asked by 
small business owners, you know, are you worried about AI? And are you worried about people losing their jobs because of being replaced by AI tools? And that's a reality. That's a fear that a lot of people have. And I will acknowledge that fear because there have already been layoffs in some companies uh, for folks being replaced by AI. So the concern is there. And also, certainly, um, I would not recommend that someone take the content that is created by a tool like ChatGPT and use it 100%. Uh, what I recommend is that folks use that tool as a, a, a time saver. They use it as a, as a first draft, let's call it, for social media posts, for blog posts, for scripts, um, for customer service emails. But you still need to have that human touch. And I think that at this stage, AI, you know, it's, it's developing fast, but at this stage, there's still a role for humans. There's still that, that human touch, that human creativity that AI can't quite rival. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I have a blog that I've been doing for, well, practically 20 years, I think. And, uh, and, and it, I don't pay a lot of attention to it anymore. It's called The Canadian Entrepreneur. And I don't pay much attention to it anymore because there's not a lot of people on it. And of course, that's a chicken or egg situation. Uh, 12 years ago, I was getting 200 visits a day. Now I get about 18 visits a day. So I don't pay a lot of attention to it. But I've actually, uh, and, and I find it hard to get around to writing good content for the blog and I don't want to write bad content. So the, the, the last few uh, months, I've uh, I, I've actually asked ChatGPT to, to uh write a few blog posts for me and I run them intact, which you're not supposed to do, but I do that with a disclaimer at the top that says, I'm really busy doing podcasts for Startup Canada, but here I asked GPT to tell you the the, the, the best rules for cash flow, um, how to hire better people, things like that. And it gives you a, a very, you know, a, a pretty senior level of insight um, in a commodity sort of way without experiences, without storytelling, but with, you know, basic tips and best practices. And it's kind of boring and dull to read, but, you know, there's not usually a wasted word. So there, there's a place for this kind of, of, of uh, storytelling, but it's information only. It's not really human. That's right. That's right. And, and like I said, the, the human creativity is the biggest um, you know, it's honestly the biggest asset to a lot of content out there because people want to identify with other humans and, and they want that level of authenticity. So um, you'll see a lot more brands who are, are trying to be authentic in their own way. Um, and they're trying to um, not necessarily make it all about them and their product and their service. They're trying to put the focus on other uh, other folks and other stories. And the brand Patagonia does a fantastic job of that. You'll see in their YouTube content and their social media content, the focus is not on the actual apparel that Patagonia creates. Uh, sure, there are some folks you'll see wearing Patagonia brands, but the focus is on storytelling. So what you'll see is, you know, mini documentaries on environmental issues 
in developing countries. Um, you'll see the stories behind uh, some adventurers and the struggles that they have gone through on a personal level to get where they are now. Uh, the product itself is almost secondary in their, in their marketing. And I think this brand is one of my favorites because they are a global leader in sustainability. Uh, they're on a mission to protect the planet. And though a lot of brands sort of operate in this space and they, they sort of make claims like this, Patagonia, uh, I feel, truly walks the talk. Uh, plus, their products are very high quality, and I wish I had more Patagonia products in my life. They are beautiful, and they, and they last forever. So, um, so feel free, Patagonia, to send any uh, freebies my way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an extra large, um, (laughs) just kidding. When, when we look at Patagonia though, I mean, they're doing it for the thought leadership. Can small businesses afford to be doing thought leadership content that's not actually aimed at driving sales? I think they can. They just have to be strategic about it, right? Like they're not going to necessarily have a huge budget. Um, they need to be very intentional and very, uh, careful about what their messaging is and and what online spaces they want to focus on. By the way, I never recommend to a small business that they need to be on every single social media platform. Um, maybe choose two of them where your uh, target audience most often spends time and, and hone in on those two platforms. Maybe it's Instagram and maybe it's uh, TikTok, let's say. Uh, focus your efforts there and, and build up a following there before you go into the other platforms. Um, but in terms of storytelling and thought leadership, absolutely. One of the most exciting uh, things that I get to learn about entrepreneurs when I work with them is what drives them to offer the product or service that they offer? What was the sort of initial motivation? Why did they want to do that? Maybe they saw a gap in the marketplace. Maybe they have a a personal anecdote. Maybe they saw family members suffer and they wanted to do something about it um, with their business. There's so much interesting storytelling potential behind every business and tapping into that, building it into content marketing and and having opinions. Like it's okay to have opinions on uh, your brand's channels. You don't have to try to appeal to everyone out there because quite honestly, that's not realistic anyways. So if you have a real passion for uh, diversity, if you have a real passion for, um, you know, LGBTQ rights, um, you know, whatever that sort of thing is for you and your brand, as long as it's authentic and it's not just, you know, being done for show, then I think that can be a really powerful sort of card to play. I love that. There are, there are probably untold stories at every business that if they were, you know, properly recalled and noted down and explained and, and told over time, they would write a wonderful narrative about how much the owners care and the uh, and and the work that they've done to improve their marketplace and you know whatever small way they might have done that and very positive stories that can really build their brand build their reputation and of course build trust which is what everybody's talking about now that's right trust is a huge piece of any content marketing and the more i think you can convey 
your story with authenticity, the better. Like, don't go and ask for the sale straight away um, because that can kind of turn people off. And it's so easy for folks to unfollow or to mute a brand in the online space or unsubscribe from an email newsletter, for example. So we need to be very intentional as content marketers and really provide value and give the target audience something that's useful, something that's entertaining, something that's perhaps educational and something that's appealing to them so that they continue to give us their time and attention. Attention is the, the biggest um, sort of uh, piece of the puzzle here. Um, many folks in their online journeys are divided in their attention. And when folks view content in the online space, oftentimes it's a quick glance, you know, it's not a, a, a lot of time spent. So capturing people's attention, for example, with short form video, having that first five seconds of the video be super engaging and powerful, we got to hook those people and make them want to continue watching. Right. And, um, in your work, um, obviously, sometimes you, you you develop the content strategy and and write the pieces yourself, but other times I, I I understand that you know you're trying to train people at the company to do it themselves. Is is is, is this something that a a, a, a small business owner, uh, an SME could could conceivably do, do it themselves with the right kind of you know nudge and, and a little bit of training. Possibly, yeah. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs are savvy marketers, particularly if they've come from a marketing background before they've gone into entrepreneurship. Um, there's all different varieties of people out there that I've met um, in my business. Some folks are experts in their particular industry, and that's not the marketing industry. They will be the first to say, you know what, Emily, I'm an expert in environmental products, but I am not a marketing person and I am not a writer. And I say, that's okay. Like you don't have to be an expert in every single thing. And quite honestly, it can be exhausting. If you're trying to run a business, you're dealing with operations, you're dealing with staff, you're dealing with, um, you know, accounting, all these other elements of the business. And over here, digital marketing is changing day by day. So how do you keep up with doing that effectively and also have the time and energy for your family or for yourself. So that's where I like to come in. And, and that's the sort of niche that I've found with some of my previous clients. They're amazing at what they do, but um, marketing is just not their thing. And so I've been able to provide them some guidance, provide them some, some strategic counsel, uh, provide them with a, a, a marketing plan that they can implement themselves or hire someone to implement. Um, so I give them that option because it, it comes down to their needs. It comes down to their budget as well. And when you're first starting out, for example, I get it. You're not going to be able to do everything um, as big and splashy as maybe you'd hoped. It takes time to get to the level of, you know, Patagonia's content marketing plan. But you can start now and, and put those pieces into place. Very cool. How do you think uh, content marketing, marketing itself, uh, is going to change over the next year or two? What do you see as the big trends? I think short form video will continue as a huge trend and anyone who uses social media in their leisure time will notice that short form video is dominating 
a lot of the social media platforms. So Instagram Reels, for example, um, TikTok, for example, YouTube, for example, even Facebook has a lot more video than it used to. So video is easy for humans to digest and to um, absorb information quickly. So like I said, with that short attention span that is now typical, it allows people to gather information and be entertained and they don't have to think that much about it. They don't have to read a big long explanation in text. Uh, they can watch a quick video and get the gist of the message. So I think short form video will continue. And when you say short form, how short are we talking about? I'm talking about two minutes or less. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, some entrepreneurs, if they haven't been on TikTok or TikTok or Reels, uh, you know, the they may not be prepared for how short we're talking about that a 10 or 15 second uh, video can be very effective. And a 30 second video, if it's not effective, could be an eternity of agony. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> so it's, so, so, so it is a very different uh, 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 horizon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I say to clients too, like 15 seconds is, is fine. Like if all you have is 15 seconds of, of video or footage, publish it, put it on Instagram reels, jazz it up, add some text, make it interesting, add a trending audio track and, um, and share it. It doesn't have to be perfect. And using a, a smartphone is often enough to create pretty good video using editing tools that are free. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to require a big budget or a video production company. Um, of course, video, you know, professional videographers add an extra layer of professionalism, but for small business owners of which there are many in Canada, you know, I always say, if you're just starting, just, just use your smartphone and, and create some content, just get creative and experiment. And that's the best way to get going. And I love what you said, that the, the social media has, uh, uh, with, with the short form videos, it's become much more forgiving. If, if, if you make a mistake in print, it may haunt you. Um, that's right. But, but on video, it's it, everyone's experimenting, right? Everyone's having fun and finding out what message works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. And with Instagram stories, for example, it's almost expected that it won't be perfect. It's meant to be sort of a sneak peek uh, behind the scenes, uh, uh, behind the scenes sort of look at what's happening with your business. So don't get bogged down in worrying about it being perfect or it looking, you know, perfect, because quite honestly, people aren't looking for perfect anymore anyhow. I also want to mention that I think AI tools will continue to be more developed and um, some may be uh, paid. Right now, ChatGPT is free as we speak now. Um, there is a paid upgrade version, which I use. It works a bit faster, um, but these tools are going to continue to evolve and there's going to be more of them in the marketplace. Threads is a relatively new platform that has come on to the scene with an explosion of subscribers. And as we speak now, it is sort of threatening to eclipse Twitter. Uh, 
So we'll watch that space and, and find out if the early momentum continues. And sometimes I think what's interesting about the social media and the content marketing world is you never know what's going to come along next. Um, you get to experiment. Uh, these big companies are experimenting too. And I think Threads so far has surpassed even the expectations of the folks at Meta who own that particular platform. So we'll wait and see how things unfold. Right. Uh, things are happening all over. And and it, it's good to hear how empowering so many of these changes are, uh, that it, it's making messaging more accessible, more forgiving, uh, more interactive. Uh, and there's, there's opportunities in there for all kinds of businesses. Emily Bailey, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share with uh, any, uh, in, 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 with, whether entrepreneurs, whether aspiring entrepreneurs or veterans? Well, if you're a veteran entrepreneur, I want to say good for you because it's a tough road and I don't think people necessarily fully understand that until they're in it. So good for you if you have a successful business. If you're thinking of starting a business, but you're feeling a little nervous, um, I definitely understand. I would recommend for folks like that, if you have a desire to be an entrepreneur deep down, but you're unsure of doing it, you're afraid to take the leap, um, perhaps start offering your services or your product on the side and test the marketplace. Get some feedback, refine your offering, see if you like working for yourself, and also understand that building up a brand and implementing a successful marketing plan that actually converts takes time and consistency. So don't be afraid to ask for help. All right. Time and consistency. I love it. We've been talking with Emily Bailey of Compass Content Marketing. Um, so delighted to hear that you're so dedicated to storytelling and helping other people uh, tell their stories better and more effectively because as we've discussed, there's so much opportunity out there. Emily, thanks so much and we'll keep an eye on you and we'll talk again. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.